You're listening to Bits and Pieces. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Edwards, from Denver, Colorado. And I'm Matt Duncan out of Gelsenkirchen, Germany. And we thrive on the support of our listeners, so please check out sunriserobot.net slash support and see some ways you can help us out. So for episode 18, we've got some title follow-up, as always. Um, there's actually some some juicy rumors here. Not that we're like a news show, but uh, it's title, so all, all ethics set aside. Um, <laughs> so... Tell us about this the Sony title situation. Yeah, so last time we talked about how Sony and Spotify were having some yeah some trouble, some uh, leaked documents about their contract and licensing stuff that was yeah that we shouldn't we shouldn't know about as the public. But uh, yeah, we found out anyway. So this time this is about Sony and Tidal having an almost similar dispute about licensing. So um, basically. An insider said, oh, th- these are just more or less rumors, but, um, so we, we don't have like a contract now, like we had with Spotify, uh, that's out in the open. But, um, what we have here is, um, a claim that, yeah, Sony is basically demanding a lot of money in advance for licensing the music to, t- the music to title. And, uh, yeah, we can imagine that, uh, with title, yeah, spouting about how they are the, the different to all the others and, uh, yeah, they're basically having to deal with the same shit that Spotify has to deal with. Yeah. Um, what's, so the, the embarrassing result of this could be that Tidal will lose Beyonce. Right. <laughs> if they don't pay Sony. Yeah. Um, I don't know how realistic that is, but, you know, Sony plays hardball. They, they, they drain Spotify dry. So we'll have to see. Um, yeah. so I followed in the article. This is actually like a summary of a Bloomsburg report. And, uh, so I clicked through to the original Bloomberg article, and uh, there's this amusing section of this giant, sprawling, well-designed, at least visually, article, um, <clears throat> where Jay-Z's quoted as saying, I am not a businessman. And I think this is part of his, you know, chest-puffing, like, j- title is artistic, and it's for the people, and it's all these great things. It's not one of them companies. And then right underneath, I'm not a businessman, this <laughs> amazing Bloomberg article just has all the businessman things Jay-Z has done since 1995. So he founded a record company in 95, a clothing brand in 99, designed a sneaker for Reebok in 02, opened a club, creates a phone with Nokia, <laughs> um, invests in the spotted pig, sells his record company to someone else, becomes CEO of Def Jam, makes a commercial with HP and Budweiser, <laughs> sells other stuff for $200 billion, relaunches Cherry Coke, my favorite. <laughs> um, so, yeah, him saying he's not a businessman is just patently absurd. Yep. Uh, and, I mean, he bought the tech behind Tidal. Was it even called Tidal before he had it? I don't remember, but I don't they, they bought an existing fledgling like startup streaming platform. Yeah. Is as if the bad news wasn't already enough for title uh, on the Sony stuff. Um, someone Instagrammed, and of course, this is a, the best use of Instagram is a super zoomed in screenshot that's blurry and pixelated as hell. But uh, it just says mailbox subject line title body. We miss you. <laughs> so uh, title is uh, already sending the hey come back please emails to people. It just sounds like we just unconditionally hate title. It shouldn't be. No, no, we're not doing that. 
<laughs> it, it's just they build up such a hype and such high expectations <laughs> yeah. about we're the saviors and we're we we're doing such a good thing and yeah of course we're going to sh uh, shine a light on everything shitty that's going to happen <laughs> yeah. uh, it's just keep if, if people are humble uh, they they can expect to be uh yeah we, we could expect some some mistakes here and there but if if you're boasting about being the the savior of music streaming every mistake is going to be uh yeah played Amplified. up exponentially <laughs> so what about this shitty okay magazine <laughs> yeah and then um when i was researching this uh, this topic um I, i stumbled upon this article i opened the website i got to it i don't think i think from uh, google news or something and i thought where's the article And so then I realized that this article is basically a slideshow of eight shitty photoshopped images, or at least the first one is photoshopped <laughs> and the other ones are just shitty photographs, um, with always like two or three lines underneath. And right now in my Google Chrome, I can't even read those lines of text. They're just cut off at <laughs> half of the height of the letters. And, and just uh, the entire premise of this thing is, is absurd. It's Jay-Z and Beyonce are fighting. Yeah. Our proof so, is just random images of them walking around. <laughs> yep. And what I don't understand, I mean, usually you, you know, this uh, thing of where they spread articles across pages so they get more ad, more ad views, but this is JavaScript. This is all on the same page. You just have to click further. They, they're not getting any more ad revenue out of this. And <laughs> it's just shitty UI. It's, I don't know what, what this is. I know this, this doesn't really, this would fit more into flipping tables, but I just, I was flabbergasted. This is, Yeah, I don't know what why they did this. Um, this is not okay. Okay, magazine. Yeah. Well, uh, to round out our title coverage update, um, you made another one of our little uh, generated songs. So <laughs> tell us about Snake Oiled and Wanting to Listen to Music with Monster Cables by Noel Gallagher and the Flack Codex. Yeah, I thought it was time to make another another song lyric uh, with our lovely little generator. I think this will come back sometime, uh, every <laughs> once in a while when we have some topics. And um, yeah, j just just a few lines from this. Um, like the chorus is basically always the same with with a little variation. It doesn't take Kim dot com to add a simple sum. Either you were also lossless, or I was simply easily tricked. Easily tricked. <laughs> easily tricked. Easily tricked. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah and most of the parts are just uh enumerations of um some of the founders of oh, not really founders of title but uh some of the <laughs> tier one There's supporters some <clears throat> little moments of just pure luck and beauty in some of the, the, this lyrics um you could be at title or anywhere the pono store or silver audio cables factory where everyone is snake oiled and everyone <laughs> wants to listen to music with monster cables and then at the end of this uh and when snake oiled and wanting to listen to music with monster cables are multiple i become so lossless and dutiful <laughs> and just like the different meaning of lossless there <laughs> <I am> lossless. <laughs> <clears throat> all right yeah And I just noticed uh, some some box in in this thing where, um, for some reason, the the D in Daft Punk and the C in Chris Martin were switched around. So now we have Kaft Punk and Driss Martin. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say I'm angry and even Beyonce. It, it's even better. We got Daisy, yeah, Daisy and Madonna, <laughs> Mad Mouse Five, Beyonce. This is this is like an um, Weird Al par parody. <laughs> 
So as always, you got to check out our show notes for a link to this so you can see all the lyrics for yourself. And you can find that at sunriserobot.net slash bits and pieces slash 18. Um, now on with the show into our main rundown. So uh, I got a couple of music updates for projects I'm involved in. And uh, number one is uh, Smoke and Honey, which is uh, my good friend Sarah Brown and uh, Andres Diaz are sort of acting as a duo for the, a new folk pop, folk pop folky folk folk project and uh um as she put these songs together she uh brought some friends together in the studio to actually put a full band behind these songs and so i got invited to play drums so um the news here she released the first single from all those efforts and uh it's this this soft um breezy folk song called a new day and uh i'm bringing up a storm of soft brush hits underneath the song and i think we should listen to to a little part of the song right here. So you'll find a new day linked in the show notes as well. And uh, a little shout out also as uh, Sarah was interviewed on the Pseudo Show, episode number 24. So if you want to hear more about uh, that album, you should check it out. So the other bit of news in, in my own musical efforts is uh, Montropo played a show last night. So we have a gig report. We need like a little jingle for gig report. <laughs> gig report. <laughs> Um, and the gig report is playing past midnight sucks. Um, <laughs> so this is a, we played at this place called Lion's Lair and, uh, there was four bands on the lineup, which is, can be kind of a lot for a night of music. I, I find that, you know, it, it's not always a, a disaster, but that's kind of on the brink of like, what yeah. is this? Some kind yeah, of all day barbecue. E- either the whole show is too long or everybody just plays a short gig. So it, it it's never really there's there's really a compromise if you go to four bands there. Yeah, that was annoying. And well, we were we were also originally going to play much earlier tonight because um, we don't have a huge following yet or, or like a giant fan base um, that will come out and see us at midnight. <laughs> so we had wanted to play, you know, first or second, and uh, things got shifted right at the last second to us playing last, which is already like ah oh, god. And then, um, there was something that really bothered me, um, about, so there's this, there's kind of this cordial thing between bands after a show where you go, Hey, nice set, nice work. It sounded great. Um, and it's pretty much, you know, unless it, it was truly so bad, you can't keep a straight face. People just say, Hey, nice gig. And, uh, I actually kind of, I get the whole like be friendly, whatever, no, don't be a dick, but like the, the fakeness of the hey, nice set doesn't really do anything for me. Yeah. Um, if, if, if they're not going to stay and have a conversation or actually sort of be a human being with you for a second, um, just going up and going like, hey, sound great, man. Ugh. Why, why half ass that conversation? Yeah. Either go, go talk and be a genuine person or, or, it's just kind of worthless. So I, I don't know. What do you think about that? Do you encounter this at shows? Yeah, I know just what you mean. And usually I, 
I follow the rule of if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything. And what I feel is that those people also have have this motto, but um, they're like forcing themselves to say something then. And this this kind of half-assed positive thing like, yeah, that was great. I, I like that sound and what you did there. Yeah, it's it's just so easy to spot. I don't I don't think anybody has ever been really tricked by this, except for if you were like this was your first gig and like every feed any feedback you get is good feedback, and um, it's just you always notice when when this happens. So I basically, if I don't find anything good, I try to try to avoid having this conversation in the first place because I know I would harvest it as well, and I, mm-hmm. and also I don't want to come. Uh, yeah, I don't want to seem like the dick in the situation. Yeah. And uh yeah, so usually I just stick to saying mostly nothing in that moment and uh yeah, usually appear busy like uh getting my stuff <laughs> to the van or something. Yeah, and I mean my counterpoint to this is even though I know it's it's fake, there's there's nothing to be gained for for calling people out on it or you know to be yeah. like, "Hey, you don't mean that. You weren't even watching. I saw you talking." across the bar the entire set unless there were real assholes i've i've done that before we had the situation where there was a band that uh when when they played first um and let's say that in in the venue there were about five people that weren't just the core group of one of the other band's fans so uh basically nobody was there so we were like okay let's at least watch these guys it's not my type of music but let's at least stay here and when we played they were like on the lower level of the club so they weren't even technically in the room where we played and yeah that was the point where i said okay fuck those guys i'm i'm just getting out of here now (laughs) so Again, I, I get that there's there's social situations where you kind of just go, "Hey, how are you?" blah blah blah. Um, but try to try to bring some humanity to it. If if yeah. you're one of those bands at a gig, um, have a conversation, ask people questions. Don't just go, yeah. "Nice work." Um, so we got some other interesting stuff happening in, in the music scenes around the world. So uh, how about offensive band names? Yeah, so there was this band, or there is this band called Viet Cong, and um, they had a show cancelled because people said, "Okay, this is an offensive name. We don't like this band playing here with that name on on the poster, or more or less than the venue um, advertising with this band playing here." And um, yeah, the band basically said, um, "Yeah, we know this can be offensive, but um, come on, it's a name." And um, I was really hard i was thinking about this situation that um i don't really know where i stand on this to be honest um i understand that some names can really be offensive and in this case it it doesn't affect me because i have no relation whatsoever um with with the Viet Cong. <laughs> But yeah. uh, I can imagine some some pretty offensive uh, band names that would offend me, and I I don't know. Um, I mean, if it is my club, I would just say, okay, you're not playing here. But if they played somewhere else, I would basically just try to ignore it because I mean, it's it's free speech. Everybody can name the band. Yeah. I think everybody could name themselves. But as it's always the same thing with free speech, you're not. Um, yeah, there's always going to be consequences, and you have to. You have to um, yeah. expect those to happen. So even if you can name yourself, um, a very, I was about to say an offensive name, but I'm not going to do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Nobody, not everybody's going to like this, and you have to. You just have to expect that. Yeah, 
I have to say, I'm other than the the basics of we can do what we want. Um, Viet Cong's defense of their band name decision is basically the exact same thing that the football team, the Washington Redskins, yeah, and the, and the <laughs> baseball team, um, the Cleveland Indians, maybe or Atlanta Braves, and and some of these other. Um, Giant businesses have pro- appropriated Native Americans in in America. Um, the Redskins always seems like the worst of it, but <laughs> not that I, I'm the one that gets to decide that. But um, yeah, they're kind of placing themselves in that camp. Yeah, um, um, I mean, if you have a good story or a good pitch of why you're called that, so if there's some some something that happened that led to that name being chosen. That's that's a whole other story. But if you're just saying, yeah, we just picked that name, and now if you don't like it, yeah, it's it's just the name. That, that I don't yeah. know. That doesn't isn't the best case for you. It's not a good strategy. Um, so this, yeah. I mean, I guess the the other side of this is there's another sense of some people are so easily offended. I'm not saying Vietnam Vietnamese people are in this camp at all. I'm just saying. Um, you may actually have a pretty benign band name, and someone somewhere will be like. Right. Uh, that's offensive. And so, like, you do need the balance of, like, I, I, I do think Viet Cong is probably kind of a bold name to choose that you may really offend some people. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there could be other names that are pretty much inoffensive and someone somewhere decides to make it their mission in life to, to get you to change it for some reason. <laughs> and, uh, that's when, that's why it can be hard to, to try to establish some kind of rule about like, when do you abandon a name because it's offending people or, um, or, you know, what is your sensitivity to the views of other people on what you call and do with your, your own stuff. Right. And, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't choose to name my project Viet Cong or to <laughs> dig my heels in about it. No, but I could imagine other names that yeah. maybe I would. Yeah. There's other ways to be edgy without being this edgy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then we have some music festival news. So, um for Glastonbury this year, they have booked Kanye West as a headliner. And it turns out that for the uh manager there, the the co-organizer named Emily Eves here, that seemed to have been more or less, yeah, I don't I wouldn't say a mistake, but that led also to some very horrible consequences. So, um there were death threats I've read and generally stuff was horrible. It was just, yeah, it was just horrible. It was crazy. I was getting out of control. We had Time magazine, all the American news channels saying they were going to come down. This is incredible onslaught worldwide. So this, I mean, I know a lot of people really don't like Kanye West. I'm not a big fan of him either. But um at some point, this thing just tips over and I don't have any respect for the other camp as well anymore. Yeah. Well, no one should receive death threats. No. Just, no. <laughs> no. There's other ways to voice your opinion about not <laughs> wanting to have Kanye West as, yet, as the headline of Glastonbury. If you're sending death threats for your cause, you blew it. <laughs> I mean, having a petition is another thing. Um, usually, if I, I even if it's a case, uh, if it's something that I'm I'm pro as well. Um, If I see there's an online petition, I usually smirk because, I don't know, online petition, I can't really take them seriously most of the time. I was just so, going to uh, say, um, do you know that one online petition that actually worked? <laughs> yeah, neither do I, <laughs> basically. 
Okay, we got to give it to them. The FCC ruling was influenced uh, a lot by, but that that was a very special case where millions of people were actually participating. But let, we're also, we're again on flipping tables territory right now. Um, no, but um, there's an online petition is way better than death threats. We can probably agree on that. Agreed. And uh, so Mega sixty four has been campaigning for about a year for Paul McCartney to play temporary secretary. And finally, he has done it. Um, did I didn't. It. I, I didn't get to watch the, the. He done did it. I didn't get to watch the full <laughs> McCartney performance. Did he actually call out Mega sixty four like he was directly rep- responding to their request? Um, no, I don't think so. So the video begins more or less with them starting the song, and it's it's a cold opening. So he didn't announce. Now we're going to play uh, temporary secretary. It's just the 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 intro started, and there were. It was a surprise more or less. And they were actually hoping for, for, for Mega 64 being called out. And they made jokes on Twitter about, um, how before or after the song that he played a skit from them, a video on, on the screen. And, um, basically, a bun- my timeline was full of tweets of, oh yeah, he played this, uh, this, um, this video. And, uh, especially this one video they did, um, about a game update that the video is about one hour long and it's most of it is a progress bar. Of an up, uh, of an upgrade of a game and that, that he would have played this video. But no, there wasn't, uh, there wasn't an official shout out to Mega64 on stage. But if you look at the comments, there are a lot of Mega64 fans who are like, yeah, you made it happen, guys. Uh, and yeah, there, there's also a reaction video, more, not, not a reaction video, but on their latest podcast, they talked about it and they were pretty happy. And it's safe to say it was more or less influenced by Mega64. <laughs> So you you almost described a, them talking about it as a reaction video. And I'm uh, <laughs> wondering how long until like reaction GIF is used as a metaphor for what replying to someone is. Like, yeah, yeah, he reaction yeah. GIFed. <laughs> I, I think I just had this in mind because uh, I, w- I was looking up Kung Fury again uh, a few minutes ago on YouTube, and the fifth or sixth result is just some guy watching the movie and uh, you see it in uh, like a screen uh, um a picture in picture where you see the movie in the corner and this guy just watching it and it's more or less what south park did in this one episode it's just <laughs> i don't get this trend at all so one of the things that all creative people face all the time is uh people wanting to use your magic for free so you get really good, you spend tens of thousands of hours getting good at your visual or musical art, and uh, when you go out into the marketplace for people who would hire such talented folks, they want you to do it for nothing. And this happens constantly, it's rampant, um, fighting for every dollar is kind of the sad life of a freelancing artist, and uh, there's this amazing Twitter account that is uh, kind of documenting these shitty you know, proposals for work that, that face creative people all the time. But sometimes this reaches a grand scale. It's not just some tiny little startup or business that's like, hey, give us a logo for nothing. But it's uh, sometimes it's, it's companies that have the money and just choose not to. Um, so what happened here with this this uh, movie company? Um, yeah, there, there was a mu- uh, movie company that basically... Um demands a whole lot of cash for for an artist to for for some music to be played in this uh, in this movie so um a lot of soundtracks uh, for movies are basically 
people picking the right songs so not creating a new soundtrack and it's usually good for the budget uh, except if the the songs are um yeah very expensive to license but in this case it's really the other way around where they are asking an artist to actually pay to be uh, in this and it reminded me of um when when they were announcing um that for GTA 5 back then when they announced it about how there's a lot of indie music in the game i was thinking about Oh, more or less I was wondering so do people actually pay to get in there or are they paid because yeah I mean for in, on the grand scale for a thing like like GTA 5 I would pretty much be happy to have my song in there I wouldn't necessarily pay a lot of money for it but um, I can see where that kind of exposure really would get you somewhere but if it's just some yeah let's say random film that you've never heard of before and somebody asks you to pay 10,000 pounds British pounds that's some grand bullshit there. There's so many angles of fucked up about this movie company thing, though. Because, so, it's not only you're not going to get paid to be in our movie. Sorry, deal with it. You get exposure. It's not just pay us some money. It's, we're going to have an auction with a minimum bid of 10,000 pounds. And... Um, you know, this, uh, presumably if there's any sort of demand, this, this price will go up Yeah, and the rights to the music you create or submit to this music, to this film goes to the movie company, um, including any sync rights. <laughs> so you are paying a fortune for nothing other than to be in this movie, um, and then right at the end, kind of the, the little kicker right at the end is this quote, we have a big marketing spend lined up for the film in the UK alone. So they have tons of money. Yeah. They're just choosing not to spend any money on the audio budget. And uh, that's sort of my cynical take on a lot of film projects is the first thing to get cut is the audio budget. Um, just the, sorry, too bad. We're not, we're not going to pay that. <laughs> This is so depressing. Yeah, I just scrolled through this uh, Twitter account for exposure and I found this one. Um, no money, but great for getting your foot in the door. Must be willing to film today ASAP. I'm in a hurry and I need the edit tonight. <laughs> oh, well, if you're in a hurry, I better drop everything to get paid nothing to work my ass <laughs> off. Uh, I love that Twitter account. Yeah, I could just get so angry reading through those tweets. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah and then uh just a little tidbit that i found uh as i was browsing reddit as i usually do whole day instead of working most of the time um uh there, there was somebody describing more or less the physics of sound so somebody was asking um how do audio and audio and visual no how do audio and video signals differ and why is there no photoshop for sound and um somebody gave a great explanation of why and in there there was um so basically what he said, um, audio can't exist without time. If you pause audio, it stops. And that's basically, um, it kind of weaves into what we talked about once about how, um, it's, it's easier to market probably, uh, it's easier to market visual stuff because you see it and it's there. You can, it's, it's always paused. I mean, if, even if you get a video, you can make a still image from that. With sound, mm -hmm. that's just simply not possible. You just can't say, oh, let me just quickly show you the, the chorus of the song and bam, you, there it is. So you always have to invest time and that's simply because, yeah, if you stop music, it, it stopped. There is nothing there because every wave 
is only audible if it's if it's uh in a cycle if it's if it's moving if it's doing something there's yeah. just nothing there and yeah just this this small sentence of audio can't exist without time i just i just found something in this sentence it's yeah and i like one of the follow-up comments um art is decorating space music is decorating time and that seems to yeah that's the full-on <laughs> tim and eric space boom yeah <laughs> animation <laughs> So, yeah, I, I do like that um, analogy quite a bit. And, uh, and I guess to, if we wanted to sort of answer for ourselves the why is there no Photoshop for sound, um, if you do think of music as decorating time, there very much is a Photoshop for sound. We have tons yeah. of them. And, yeah. uh, I mean, that's every DAW on the market is basically a Photoshop for sound. And uh, you just, yeah, you have to think of it as time-based instead of spatially based. Yeah. And if you think about the usual use case of Photoshop where you're trying to retouch an image and like remove something that's not supposed to be in there or just correct some mistakes, there are also special tools for that. Um, I know of, uh, like Isotope RX, for example, where you can actually get into uh, a spectral display and say, oh, there's this one frequency that I, that's really annoying. Let me just erase that and it's gone and you don't hear anything. There's no artifacts or anything. So yeah. we actually do pretty much have a Photoshop for sound. It's just not, um, yeah. Probably not as easy to get into. If you watch someone use Photoshop, you can pretty much guess what is happening. But with audio, you can only like edit something and then play it back and see if it does what you what you think it would do. More yeah. or less, like if you're coding, um, like if you're programming, you can only. I mean, there, there's some some ways to do some live coding, but other than that, it's mostly like, yeah, let me write something down and see if it does what I hope it yeah. does. I used the healing brush on our song and it removed your voice. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how often do we get this threat of people asking, how can I remove the voice, um, remove the voice from a song? And it's safe to say that we're probably never going to get there unless we get some machine that can actually really learn the difference between what a voice sounds like and what an instrument sounds like. If it's a, if, if it's a tightly mixed song with a lot going on, there will never be a way for probably yeah. there will never be a way to really get rid of the vocals in the song without anything else getting crushed as well. That would be a, a hell of a bit of machine learning if like it wasn't that the computer actually edits the audio, but that it by listening it recreated the separate stems. Right. Um that would be some kind of interpretive amazing leap. Um Yeah, if somebody know, ever I'm, ever gets to invent this algorithm, he or she will make millions yeah. of that. Yeah, um, just for remix culture. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and then our sort of one of our last uh, big topics before we get to our picks of the week is uh, this great video on why is Mario's theme music so catchy? And uh, actually, um, this was a great video, very informative, lots of great information. But I'm actually kind of disappointed in terms of how well it answers the question that gets you to click yeah. on it. It's um, mostly a clickbait title there. But it does, yeah. it does have some interesting information. It's just that title is not really fitting. So this is a, another PBS related YouTube channel and they seem to be kicking ass with these little YouTube series. Um, the, the, the other ideas show that I see often, uh, Lions is reposting. And, uh, so this <laughs> is their, their, uh, game show. And, uh, so, you know, he talks about the sort of the history of game music and some of the differences. And we talked about that on an earlier episode, theorizing that, 
um, it was easier for early music to be memorable because there was nothing else happening in the sound space. So yeah. music got to be like 99% of what you were hearing. Um, and they don't really hit on that point, which I think is a very good point. Um, to pat myself on the back. Um, but, uh, <laughs> um, it, it kind of came down to, well, they synced it up with the game. It was kind of like their big explanation that the, the jumps and the, the lengths of different sounds and the, the tempo of the music were all together. Yeah. Yeah, there were most, it said like most, uh, basically it all ran on the same clock. So any sound that happened would always start on some beat there or it would end on some beat. So it would mostly be like you had a groove, you had a rhythm that would be uh, played by all the sound effects. Yeah. And I mean, I don't find that insignificant, but it, it just kind of fell flat to me as like, but musically, why like as like a lot yeah. of Mario music is basically ragtime and I hear I've heard plenty of ragtime and I don't regularly sing probably more than probably the one of the most famous ragtime songs which I don't even know what it's called but so whatever that song's called oh, I have it on the tip of my tongue <laughs> but isn't it the entertainer Yeah, it's the entertainer. Yeah. Um, Mario's music is so good, and it seems like it's just not doing it justice to say, whoa, we got the tempo synced. <laughs> yeah. Although it is something that um, I've seen come back with, um, I mean, Audio Surf is a is a, an example where that is happening. Um, I mean, basically the whole game is synced to the song you, you throw at it. Um, but there's also other games that um, that I've played in recent times where they synced some of the elements of the game itself to the music that is playing, also the visual elements. And I always like when that is happening. Like Hotline yeah. Miami was an example uh, to to um, foreshadow some of the pick of the week <laughs> today. Um, but it, it's always great if you have something that's synced up. It always gives this whole the whole game another atmosphere right at the uh, right at this moment. And it's it's I think it's nice to find out that like from the beginning of successful video games that this has been happening. Yeah, I think the other thing in the favor of of old songs like Mario's original themes is repetition. Um, yeah, you, you just hear uh, like you mentioned earlier in our previous topic that. You know, a picture kind of just sits there, but music, it takes time. Well, a lot of old video games, it's very short loops, so you hear them over and over, and that, that works in their favor of getting them implanted on your brain um, as much as timing and, and also being a good song, because there's tons of old Nintendo music that if you played it for me, I'd be like, I have no idea what that's from, even if it's a game <laughs> I played a lot, because the music is just terrible. Um, so, shall we pick of the week it up? <laughs> Yep, we shall. All right. Um, I think I'll go first this time, arbitrarily. Right. Um, so the song I picked this week was a, a song by Deer Hunter. Um, came out in 2008. And uh, the second I heard this song, it's always stuck with me ever since then. And it's a song called Agoraphobia. And uh, it, it's actually intimately connected to the song that starts the album. This is the second song. The first song in the album is the exact same chords and mostly the same aesthetic, but it's at half speed and uh, has no words, and it kind of feeds into this song. So um, we'll talk later about intros, but um, <laughs> in a certain sense, the album provides this song with an intro. And uh, so this song is um, tremendous, and uh, um, it's uh, 
it's got some very dreamy pop aspects to it. It's a very um, pleasant chord changes and uh, little arpeggios. And uh, one of my favorite things is this rhythm of jing 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 in the verse is a uh, very very pleasing. Um, but the actual song itself, um, the lyrics and kind of the the vibe, the the cloud of fog that rolls in over all this dreamy niceness is a uh, very disconcerting and very disturbing. And the song is basically describing someone shrinking away into a tiny little enclosed space so that they can just be away from and it's agoraphobia, fear of public places. So it, you know, it's it's thematically tied to that, but um let's just hear a little bit of agoraphobia. One of the things I want to call out, other than the the, the sounds of the song or the the lyrics, and uh, you just uh, you hear this is almost like a a confessional of someone with agoraphobia, kind of rationalizing to themselves why it's okay to disappear and drift away and and hide um, for your life. And so, um, and after some time, I know I would go blind, but seeing only binds the vision to the mind. I'd lose my voice, I know, but I've nothing left to say. Nothing left to pray, no echo in this space. And it's kind of <laughs> devastatingly sad, like, well, I'm not going to see anyone. I'm not going to hear anyone. There's going to be nothing to say because I'm going to be alone, but man, I'm done. <laughs> it's just like this, this giving up. And, uh, one other note about this song before I let you speak your mind on it is, uh, in an interview, um, I think his name's Bradley Cox or something like that, the, the lead singer, um, of Deer Hunter. Um, he said he was inspired by um, this other author that had written about this character that was constantly asking to be buried alive, but then cared for in the buried alive state. Like, keep me alive, but bury me alive. And just an extreme claustrophobic fear of being part of society or something. So what did you make of this song? Yeah, right off the bat, um, as you just described, the song itself doesn't have an intro, and now I don't know the context of the album. I haven't heard the album before, but um, it just right off the bat, it starts. The vocals start immediately, so mostly, even if you don't ha really have an intro, it's usually not that the vocals start right there. You usually get like an instrumental part, or I don't know. Usually, that's just <laughs> what what I have in mind because I would probably never make a song like this that just started there. I, I usually have to, I mean, we, we joked about this a lot, how my intros tend to be like 30% of a song. And, um, <laughs> another, another thing, uh, sound wise that I, uh, found in this song as an example is that, um, halfway through there's this, this kind of solo that is starting and the sound, the sound that is played, um, it sounds so unpleasant. Uh, it's itself the sound itself it's just it's a harsh sound it's uh, this distorted thin noise um that i would also probably never use myself i tend to use like very soft sounds or i go straight into distorted guitar territory but um it works so well in the song but i wouldn't find myself using it because as it, the song it's uh, the sound itself sounds so unpleasant but it works so well in there and um 
it's mostly the kind of experience I had with using ring modulators. I've never really used one in, a, in any of my songs because I sometimes I go back to it and say, oh, let's let's try this thing again. And I fiddle around with the knobs a bit and then I toss it away again. It's no, this sounds like shit. And um, then sometimes I hear a song where somebody uses it and it's like, yeah, it does add to, to it. But how do you, it's just that sometimes you get these effects that you have to be really careful with so it yeah. doesn't sound shitty. And this is a case where, yes, you can use this sound that it does sound horrible, but it works here and it's fine. Yeah. And I'd, I'd connect it to the, the thematic nature of the song that um, it adds to the disconcerted feeling yeah. of, of this paranoid person that... Yeah. Um, that's part of why it works for me. And I mean, it's on, to me, it's on the edge. It's not like a completely unpleasant sound to me, but it's like just a little discordant, a little droney yeah. and just like hinting at it just to make sure you don't get too comfortable with how pretty the song is. It's like, right. Hey, you know, let me, let me tilt you a little bit. So what was your pick of the week? Yeah. My pick of the week is Magna divide the hotline Miami two version. And I say that because um, there's also the the original version somewhere out there, but I actually really prefer prefer the Hotline Miami 2 version. And as I just described earlier in, in our video game topic, um, I, I just finished this game recently, and it's just a blast to play. And this game, just as its uh, predecessor, it's it just um, without the music, this game would probably not be as fun. <laughs> and uh, it really lives from that. I mean, it's a great game, but the music just makes it perfect. And they they had a great choice. The whole soundtrack is great, but this one song kind of stuck out for me because um, for me, it's if if I were some if I had to introduce somebody to to this uh, game, I would probably show him the level where this song is playing because the song is more or less a, a cross section of uh, what you usually get with Hotline Miami. Now there are softer songs, there are even harder songs, but this is just. Um, all right, um, strap on. This is going to be a, a, an amazing ride for you. And this song just catches this whole atmosphere pretty well. Um, so I think we just should hear a little bit of this song. What's interesting is that um, although I've been pretty much uh, consuming electronic music for for as long as I've known electronic music, that I've never been, really been a fan of four to the floor drum beats until maybe a few years ago. And I actually really hated them. So when I started to play in a band, I was like, okay, let's never have just a simple drum beat because I really, really hated that. And, but over the years, I, I found actually, I found use for it. I found that sometimes it's necessary. Sometimes you just have to go for the more or less simple thing. And, um, the more I listen to, to music with, yeah, this simple drum rhythm, I notice that it's all in the sound design. You can have a shitty four to the floor and you have a, you can have a great four to the floor. And this is also a case where this, uh, drum beat just lives from the way it, the design of the the snare, the clap, the kick, and the little shakers in the background and the hi hat, it all works together so well that you usually don't really notice that. If you just had the notation, it would be very simple. But the sound design is where it's at. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
And my main comment is uh, to reference the the ducking compression we had talked about several episodes back. This this track employs that really well. Um, um, the the way it sucks you in after after it. I guess the analogy that just came to mind is uh, if you're at the ocean and the the undertow pulling you back into yeah. the water. It's like. Um, that's the when used well ducking compression feels like that it draws you into the song yeah yeah and it's it's an effect that's used in used in a lot of songs in, in hotline Miami one and two it's that uh, it's like a hallmark from you can basically name this a genre i mean a lot of songs uh, they would say it's future synth as a genre and uh, if you had a subcategory for that, it's this, okay, you have a bass synth, it's playing 16th notes, and uh, you get some ducking compression. So usually you don't really hear, hear the first of these 16th notes on every uh, on every quarter note. It always goes goes up again and goes up again and goes up again. And I just love mm-hmm. that. I've used it as well in, in my own songs, even in some calmer songs. Uh, it works pretty well sometimes. Yeah. Um, and as always, we will add these picks of the week when possible to our Spotify playlist. Um, is the Hotline Miami soundtrack on Spotify? Uh, no, it isn't. Um, some of them are, but this one not because uh, it's an independent artist that isn't on Spotify yet. Yeah. Well, you can at least find the YouTube link in our show notes to the Hotline Miami song. Um, so yeah, our Spotify playlist. So every week we, we pick a new song that we think is great or exemplary in some way or worth listening to. And, uh, we're, we were just building this playlist out. So we're, we're up to like almost 40 tracks, I think, um, in this playlist. And, uh, if you ever going on a road trip or just need some new music, our playlist is a great place to start. It's just going to be growing with more and more great music. So you can find that in our show notes. And that brings us to the end of the show, a little rundown of things you should do. So number one is uh, check the show notes. If, um, if you're in your podcast player, you can actually probably pop open the notes through some tap or command. Um, but if you're on the web, you can head to sunriserobot.net slash bits and pieces slash 18 for these show notes. Um, while you're there, you should subscribe so you get new episodes automatically, which is awesome. You don't even have to think about it. You can get new shows. Um, you can use uh, any podcatcher, a uh, podcast. Uh, what's the one for uh, Android? Podcast Addict. Yeah. And uh, that's also on iOS or there's a built-in podcast app. Or my recommendation on iOS is to get Overcast. Um, it's a free app. It's really good for listening to podcasts. Um, we love feedback. We love talking to... Uh, our listeners. So if if you're on Twitter, you can hit me up at Medwards Music or Matt. You're at Echolox E C H O L O X. And uh, if you'd like to support us and all the other fine shows of Sunrise Robot, you can head to our Patreon um, at Patreon.com/SunriseRobot. And uh, any donation, even just a dollar, goes a long way, and uh, we'll love you forever for it. And uh, if you uh, donate up to ten dollars, um, you can get your name emblazoned into every episode of every show on Sunrise Robots Network. Um, and with that, let's give thanks to our top Patreon supporters, Bruce Edwards and Andreas Lange. Um, you guys are amazing. And uh, we'll see you next week.